This CIO Talk Radio Viewpoint is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio Viewpoints, and here is your host, Sunjog All. Welcome listeners, this is Sanjog All, your host, and the topic for conversation is balancing e-discovery cost containment versus risk. And I have with me Caroline Sweeney, who Caroline is the Director of Practice Group Technology Services at Dorsey & Whitney. Hello, Caroline. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me. Very good. So, life is treating you good? Very much so. Great. A- uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say we're fortunate enough here in the Midwest that uh, we're just enjoying very pleasant weather right now. That's great to hear. Now, the topic that we have picked up today, as we all know, that uh, e-discovery process is cost prohibitive for many. And it's coming to a point where even organizations sometimes say that, okay, yes, I need to prevent the risk or mitigate it, but I do not want to be breaking my bank. With that said, what are the most out-of-control costs or unpredictable aspects of e-discovery? Well, there are any number of studies out there that indicate that the largest percentage of cost in any e-discovery matter centers around document review. And that's why I think now there's all that buzz that that people are hearing in the industry, in the legal industry anyway, um, with respect to TAR or technology-assisted review or predictive coding, and which is really how can law firms and corporations use a combination of people, process, and technology to save money when it comes to the document review aspect of electronic discovery. And there are a growing number of cases in courts that are opining on this this particular topic. Um, clearly, though, what drives the, the document review costs are the volumes of data that are um, generated within corporations that ultimately are potentially discoverable and can end up requiring to be reviewed in order to uh, fulfill your uh, legal obligations. Now, with that said, what inherent risks that you think can get blown out of proportion when an IT leader tries to cut discovery costs or, for that matter, the business leader says, or general counsel or somebody else says that this is becoming too high, so tells uh, the leaders to go ahead and start slashing costs? And how quantifiable are these risks or this is pure paranoia? Well, I think the risks are very are very real, and there are risks throughout the process that need to be analyzed, I think, in, in every given situation because they're unique to the particular litigation or to the particular corporation. Um, a company that is particularly litigious is more likely um, to take on more um, of the, the cost control and the risk management than maybe a company that, you know, has a case every so often. Um, but there are uh, risks. What we see are risks around, for example, collection um, and, and making sure that you're documenting uh, that you have the capability to conduct collection for e-discovery purposes, um, that you're documenting your process. Um, what we're seeing is that um, a lot of corporations are taking that responsibility on themselves versus um, going outside and hiring vendors. Um, a more litigious company and some of our clients are bringing that certain technology in-house to enable them to do this collection process. So that helps um, 
contain costs from that perspective. Um, companies are implementing new technology. They need to be thinking about the potential risk of litigation and the fact that that the data that's stored in a new system, for example, rolling out SharePoint, say, um, how are you going to collect from those uh, from a SharePoint site? Because the, the information stored on the SharePoint site is potentially um, as I've said, is potentially responsive to litigation or relevant to litigation. Um, we're seeing, you know, companies as they're moving to the cloud to help manage IT costs. Um, that's another area where there's potential e-discovery risk and a need to evaluate um, where your cloud storage provider is located, whether you're, is it, you know, international, is it within the U.S.? Is your data commingled with other companies? And if another company, say, was subpoenaed, um, would your, potentially your data end up being subject to collection? What kind of data privacy um, functionality or capabilities reside in the cloud? So all of those are um, considerations when you're, and sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit, but um, another thought with the cloud is um, if your data is going to be stored in the cloud and you need to collect it for litigation, what is the process and how can you go about doing that? Um, so as companies are looking at cloud computing as a, as a cost control factor, they need to be thinking about the e-discovery risks that they have there. Another thing that we see a lot is is around retention policies or information governance, and you're seeing, hearing a lot of talk about that these days. Um, what we tend to see is sometimes there's a lack of retention policy, or there's a policy, but there's not necessarily adherence to that policy. Or there are, um, you know, I can think of a, of a particular case where the company has email retention guidelines, but given a good business case, you can um, bypass the retention guidelines. And as a result, people have mailboxes of, you know, 30, 40 gigabytes of data. And that, when it comes to e-discovery, can drive up because of the volumes of data, can drive up your, your cost when it comes to um, the review side. So um, understanding and actually implementing and auditing retention policies, um, thinking about things like holding on to legacy data. We had one client where they had uh, years of legacy email data from a, another platform, and what they did is they went through their backup tapes and um, transitioned data that was already under a litigation hold to their, their current platform and backed it up again from there so that they were reducing the amount of data that they were holding on to that then becomes subject to litigation potentially down the road. Um, and then the other thing that we see in, in where cases um, where there's been the most frequent number, I'd say, cases around spoliation and, and uh, charges by the court with respect to spoliation is companies having um, some sort of litigation hold technology or policy um, and that making sure that, that there's a, a way to consistently implement litigation holds across um, users, across data sources, across, um, you know, custodians in, in multiple locations. And knowing, having a good sense of where your data resides, because that is a growing expectation, or that is an expectation, I shouldn't say a growing expectation, but an expectation of the courts that your outside counsel is going to be educated on 
and you will be able to educate them on where data resides within your corporation. And oftentimes what we find is that IT thinks that, well, here's our policies and this is how um, we do things. Uh, people aren't, um, you know, it's again policy against policy to store, to create um, PST files and store them locally, say, when in fact what happens is users are creating PST files and then saving data beyond retention cycles and that snowballed back to my opening comments around document review. So kind of a lengthy explanation, I realize, but um, a lot of different sorts of risks that I think need to be evaluated. And, and as I said, it's really dependent on um, the company's litigation profile, I think, in terms of how much risk you're willing to, to live with and how much you need to be able to better manage it. So let's take a quick break. Listeners will be right back. And uh, Caroline, when we come back, we'd like to explore if there is a linear relationship between the cost and risk when it comes to discovery process or rather e-discovery process. If not, then how can one safely calibrate the balance between the two? So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio Viewpoint. Welcome back, listeners. So, Caroline, again, I'd like to explore this where is, is there truly a linear relationship between cost and risk when it comes to e-discovery? And if not, then how can one safely calibrate the balance between the two? You know, I'm not sure if there's a linear relationship, but there's absolutely an association between cost and risk. And I think, as I said previously, that it's really important to understand your lit- litigation profile um, and, to, and to balance, to make those evaluations and, and balance uh, the cost and the risk. So, for example, in one of the earlier uh, topics or examples I gave about moving to the cloud, you know, there's obviously a cost-benefit to a company to doing that. Now, looking at, or typically there's a cost-benefit to doing that, and so then what you need to look at is how do you balance that risk? And I would say that's making sure that there's um, communication with the right people, that the right people are involved in the decision-making process and evaluating the different risks. So involving legal, involving outside counsel, really reviewing um, your contracts with the cloud provider so you understand things, as I said earlier, like where your data is stored, is it commingled, um, what your options are for exporting data from the cloud, how you apply your retention policies, etc. Um, another example might be you're looking at implementing new technology. We see a lot of clients, for example, implementing, as I mentioned, SharePoint or social media uh, tools. And so understanding, again, if litigation were to arise, those are potential sources for uh, data or data collection for e-discovery. So how are you going to 
be able to put a litigation hold on the social media site, for example? How are you going to collect from that social media site? So understand, and then, you know, your solutions might involve bringing technology in-house. They might involve um, working with particular providers, but the idea is to really uh, assess what the overall risk is um, and your understand, as I have said numerous times now, understand your litigation profile. No, while there is one thing to optimize your people and processes, the way they function in order to uh, mitigate risk and perhaps also lower cost. But when it comes to balancing, do you think the technology solutions that are out there, uh, are they really able to help in this regard? And, and what type of solutions do you think are coming close to providing some sort of relief? Yeah, I do think that there are solutions out there that are helping to balance cost and risk. And some of the things that I, I can think of off the top of my head include, for example, clients um, that we see implementing email archiving tools. So um, you email is really considered the low-hanging fruit when it comes to e-discovery. Um, and by being able to centralize email in a single repository where you most of the tools have the ability to allow you to implement a litigation hold, so you're reducing risk there, by centralizing email and typically not then having external email repositories in you know, the form of PST files local to somebody's um, laptop, for example, you're reducing um, costs when it comes to collection and you're reducing costs when it comes to document review and you're able to implement typically um, you'd be able to implement your records retention schedule against your email platform or your email archiving solution. So that I think is a really good example of technology that helps to balance the cost and risk. Um, we're seeing some of our more litigious clients actually purchasing tools to help them do collections. So tools that allow them to crawl their network and local laptops and do that initial collection um, is also another tool or another example, I guess I should say, of um, technology helping to balance um, costs because they're not reliant on external companies coming in to help them with collection. Uh, risk because it's less and it's also less disruptive if they're able to do that internally on their own, less disruptive to their business process than having vendors come in and do that kind of collection. Um, you know, I, I think looking at what we're seeing are certain clients looking at legal hold tools um, so that they are able to successfully implement, monitor, and um, issue reminders with respect to uh, litigation holds and, and the data sources and the custodians that they have under hold. So those are some examples of technology that, that we see being used successfully in, in managing both the costs and the risk. Now, finally, what interrelationships among corporations, outside councils, and technology solution providers can get us the best results, in your view, in terms of reduced or predictable costs and acceptable risks? Well, I've already mentioned that, you know, we're seeing some people bringing the tools in-house, and it's important if you're going to do that that you also invest in, in training and understanding how to, to use those tools. We've seen some clients um, purchase tools and then have them sit on the shelf because they don't have the, the resources to become knowledgeable with some of the self-collection tools, for example. We are seeing many clients looking for National e-Discovery Council. 
So law firms, a law firm that can really get to know um, the company, the types of uh, electronic data that the company has, the sources of that data, um, and are able, the, the law firm then, the eDiscovery Council, is able to, regardless of whether or not they're merits counsel on a case, they're able to defend or communicate um, the, the companies, the e-discovery, their electronic data sources and what have you, so that that's all being managed consistently across cases regardless of, of the law firm that might be their merits counsel. Um, we also see clients selecting their own preferred vendors. So once they've done collections, say, internally, going to some of the national e-discovery vendors and having um, a single point of contact where they can manage then, uh, have that vendor do consistent processing of their data, and they can better manage the costs and distribution of their data with different vendors. Um, and, you know, I, I started off this conversation talking about document review being the most expensive aspect of a litigation matter. Uh, and what we, we're also seeing is that there are a number of um, both law firms and uh, document review vendors that are uh, working directly with clients and providing uh, technology and staff to conduct document review at a predictable price, whether it's a per document or a per gig uh, price. So that's another area that we're um, we ourselves have have such a solution, and, and it's been very successful and very well received by clients because it's a predictable cost when it comes to document review. Once again, thank you so much, Caroline, for sharing your thoughts and insights about balancing e-discovery cost containment versus risk. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And listeners, I invite you to find more conversations about e-discovery on our website at www.ciotalkradio.com slash ediscovery. Thank you for listening to CIO Talk Radio Viewpoints. For related programming, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. This CIO Talk Radio Viewpoint was brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. 